Welcome to Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League, presented by ChangeUp. I'm Owen Shatterick, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Johnny Maffey. Johnny, we had manager of the Brockton Rocks, Mike Garza, on this podcast. He had an incredible experience in Virginia this past spring, which we talked about extensively on this episode. Yeah, we heard about that dog pile as they punched their ticket in the Super Regional to get to Omaha. We heard about Omaha, and we talked a lot about what he does in Virginia, the ups and downs. And, um, you know, they had a lot of ups this year, obviously, as they they made it to, to TD Ameritrade. Yeah, we talked to Mike about that park and his background, as well as this season in Brockton, which has been going very well as we're recording this. The Rocks are currently sitting in second place. They're right around the top. They've been there all season, and they're really looking forward to this playoff stretch, as are we, as it's, it's officially August. Welcome to August. Welcome to almost Futures League Playoff Baseball. Yeah, you know, and I talked about those ups and downs with, you know, the course of a spring college season, but now ups and downs in the summer, a little bit of dog days, you know, guys are tired. There's a lot of double headers, but this stretch is going to be really exciting. Yeah, we're excited for this stretch and excited for this interview, and we're going to get you there. So without further ado, we present our interview with Mike Garza. Let's roll. At this time, we are honored to be joined by our next guest, who is a one of the new managers in the Futures League and was not part of the incredible run the Virginia Cavaliers made in the College World Series. It's Mike Garza, manager of the Brockton Rocks. Mike, thank you so much for joining us today, and welcome to Back to the Futures. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on, and we'll get to the elephant in the room right off the bat. The Rocks are in first place, and you guys don't seem to have any plans to step off the gas. How has it, been, how has it felt to be so consistent? Oh, it's great. You know, I think uh, obviously having a group that comes in day in and day out and, and you know, wants to excel, wants to get better. Uh, wants to compete on the field is obviously what you want as a as a manager, and um, you know we're just looking to to kind of keep that motivation rolling and and keep the guys you know with with their eye on the prize towards the uh, the end of the season. Yeah, and you came into a fantastic situation after interim manager Jack Aaron led the team, led the charge right up until the All Star break. What was that transition like coming right into a successful team led by Jack? Uh, you know, I think it was pretty seamless. I had been communicating with the guys almost every day, obviously communicating with Jack and, and Greg and Jack did an incredible job leading this group for, you know, that first, uh, you know, whatever it was, 20, 25 games. Um, so, you know, we had talked as a staff about what we wanted our expectations to be, how we wanted to, you know, how we wanted our guys to go about their work and, and what we wanted to do as a team. Um, so, you know, I think he executed that and, and was a tremendous leader. And so, you know, for me coming in was, was just, um, you know, kind of just been another piece into the, into that puzzle. Yeah. And Jack got to take the helm because you were down in Omaha, Nebraska with the rest of the Virginia Cavaliers in the college world series. What was going through your head when you guys punched your ticket against Dallas Baptist in that super regional? Uh, it was surreal, right? I mean, you can't even, uh, you can't even begin to you know, understand or, or, um, or grasp kind of the feelings that come with being able to, you know, to have a, a trip to Omaha and, you know, our, our guys at Virginia did an incredible job, um, you know, the resiliency that they showed throughout the season, you know, if you go back and look at, you know, what they actually did and what they actually overcame through that 2021 season was, was pretty remarkable. So, you know, just to have been a part of that and experience it and, um, you know, was, was really awesome for, for me. I'm really grateful for that, for that opportunity. Uh, and then just really proud of, you know, the guys on that team, the players, the staff members, support staff that, that were able to, you know, overcome what we overcame and, and give ourselves a chance to play in Omaha. 
Yeah, and we got to ask, what was your first reaction to TD Ameritrade Park, the field that seems to be safe for the biggest moments in baseball? Uh, it's it's pristine. Um, you know, obviously, you, you see it on TV if you've been able to be there in person. I mean, it's um, it's essentially the equivalent to, you know, to a major league field. Now, when you start putting fans in, in the stands and you've got school colors and you've got school chants and it just adds a whole different dynamic to – you know, what you're doing there and, and what the game is all about at that, at that level. And you guys had a couple futures leaguers on that team with the Geloff brothers, Zach and Jake Geloff. What did they bring to the team and what did you see from them this season? Uh, I mean, they're great players, obviously, um, you know, first and, and foremost, but even more than that, they're, they're just great people, great teammates, great leaders, uh, you know, and they were, you know, they were spark plugs for, for our team and, and really helped us kind of move in, in the right direction. Obviously, Zach, um, you know, was a starter there for three years. Jay came in as a freshman and played a couple of different positions and, and, and contributed his part to, to the group. And, you know, it's cool to see two, you know, two brothers that are playing on the same team in, in Omaha. I'm sure is is an awesome, awesome experience for their parents as well. What's something about the College World Series that you learned that you didn't know as, you know, you watched it on TV in previous years? Um. It's a tough one. I think, you know, probably the biggest thing you see the games on TV, but just the emotion that goes into those games, the the passion from, you know, the people in the community of Omaha, the fans that are traveling. I think that's something that you just can't, you know, you can't replicate in other areas of college baseball. Um, so, you know, I mean, us playing Texas at you know, roughly one thirty in the morning and, you know, coming out from that rain delay at 10 o'clock at night and seeing the stadium still packed with people, that's – those are the things that maybe you don't catch on TV or you don't realize as much until you're there in person. Yeah, it's certainly, you know, as magical as it is, I'm sure. I'm sure it's it's something that you really need to be there to, to believe. So, obviously, throughout the course of a, you know, regular season, there are a lot of ups and downs. How are those ups and downs different when you're in Omaha competing, you know, with seven other teams for a title? Uh, I think at that point, you know, nothing matters, right? They're, uh, you're there and everyone's basically trying to win their last game and only one team's going to gonna be able to do that. So I think what you, what you experienced and what you went through, through during the season um, can kind of help prepare your team and, and, and put them in the right mentality to be able to go out and perform. But when it's all said and done, how you got there really doesn't matter for the eight teams that are there. It's, it's uh, just trying to win that last game. Yeah, it was certainly surreal to watch on TV. I can't even imagine being there. That's got to be a fantastic experience. And kind of going broader into your time at Virginia, you've been there since 2016. It was So explain to the fans and the listeners what you do as the coordinator of video and scouting for the Cavaliers. So, um, you know, video has obviously uh, become a big part of the game and, and you know, player evaluations um, and evaluations for for those guys in the staff to be able to see what they're doing on a daily basis. And uh, whether it's mechanical or, uh, you know, pitch selection or, you know, pitch sequencing, things like that. So, uh, so I would handle all of our in-house video, all of our opponent video um, to be able to put together scouting reports for, you know, for opposing teams, opposing pitchers, hitters, um, essentially just, you know, trying to gather as much information uh, from, you know, our own team and from our opponents to give ourselves, you know, the best opportunity to win in certain situations or at least provide us with, um, you know, the amount of information that we need 
to be able to make informed decisions with, with the staff. So that sounds like a lot of, um, obviously you're very involved in season when, when you're dealing with opponents preparing for games, but what about, you know, when you get back to campus in the fall in the fall and winter roll around, what's your job there? Is it more the player development side? Is it a video like player evaluations, like you're saying? Yeah. So we'll, we'll video our guys, um, you know, through scrimmages, through, you know, different kinds of daily work, skill work sessions. And then those guys are able to go back and, you know, kind of review that if there's something that they're working on with their swing, if there's something mechanically that a pitcher is trying to correct, um, you know, we're able to have all of that and, and kind of break it down. And it's something that it's easy for them to go back and, and view, uh, whether it's after practice or when they get back to their dorm, you know, that night, we're able to put together all that, um, you know, really all that video so that they can go back and see it and, and hope they make adjustments at a little bit quicker rate. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of all the new new technology we have in the new video the game is seeing right now. So we talked about that part, but in season on game day or say you're preparing for a big ACC matchup on the weekend, what's your role? Are you more working with the coaches? Or are you working directly with the players? How do you prepare for those games? Uh, probably more with the staff, you know, uh, you know, talking about potentially different situations that can come up, different matchups with, uh, you know, our hitters, their pitchers, you know, what, what have they done in, in previous series, you know, all that kind of stuff that goes into, you know, eventually decisions that are made in game, right. You, you obviously try and map those out prior to uh, the game starting. And then the game is going to present different situations that you uh, hopefully have planned for, but a lot of times have planned or haven't planned for. Um, so I, I just think, you know, the more that you're uh, prepared with that stuff, the easier it is to make, you know, good decisions. Yeah, certainly trying to help out the staff and the players win games is super important. And before Charlottesville, you had an incredibly unique experience as a volunteer assistant at the U.S. Naval Academy. How did you end up coaching in the midshipman baseball program, and what was it like to be part of that experience? Uh, that was an incredible experience. It was, uh, it was obviously something that was new for me, you know, going into a military-type setting and, and coaching, you know, players who were you know, eventually going to be, you know, servicemen in, in our uh, – in our Navy. Um, but it was, it was awesome. You know, you're obviously coaching high class, high character individuals who were also, you know, really good baseball players and, and really competitive kids uh, that, that wanted to learn and wanted to get better. And, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed my time at, at Navy. I still keep in touch with, you know, a lot of those players who are now, you know, off either in flight school down in Pensacola or, you know, training down in Quantico and, you know, being able to, you know, really reach out to kids through the game of baseball, I think is, is really unique. Right. And that's, that's why we coach and, and what keeps us coming back. That's where that gratification is. So I think the relationships that are built, you know, through this game um, are what really last, you know, over the course of, of a lifetime for a coach and hopefully for a player, if you're able to make a positive impact. And with those guys, it, it was, you know, it was incredible just knowing what they're, you know, going to set out to do here down the road and, and, um, you know, you can't do anything really but admire, you know, their decisions and, and the sacrifices that they're going to make. Yeah, we have a tremendous amount of respect for them and what they're set out to do and what you're, like you said, your guys are doing right now that you coached a few years ago. How, how, how important is baseball to these kids, you think, and such a, you know, unique experience at a military school? Uh, I think it's, I think it's incredibly important to them. You know, obviously they've got you know, priorities in terms of, you know, academics and their military commitments. Um, you know, and I, I 
can't sit here and speak for them or for all of them, but I would imagine that, you know, baseball is uh, every bit of an escape for them uh, in that, you know, in that moment. Um, you know, I think a lot of them have aspirations of playing at the next level. Um, you know, there were a couple of players in my time there that were, that were drafted and, and, you know, had a chance to, to compete in, in professional baseball. And I think, you know, it was an incredible program, very successful program with a lot of good players. Uh, you just have that added dynamic of, you know, these kids going off to, you know, make their sacrifices for, for the rest of us to serve, you know, in, in the U S Navy. So, um, you know, I, I think when it's all said and done baseball for, you know, a 19 to 22 year old kid is really the same across the country. Um, you know, these kids just had a little bit more on their plate in terms of, you know, daily responsibilities, but I think college baseball players are college baseball players and they love to play the game. Yeah. Again, these kids, you know, sacrifice so much for both, you know, their own baseball careers and for their, our country. So we thank them for their service, of course. And that's still, again, an incredible experience for you. Before we box back to our interview with rocks manager, Mike Garza, we want to share a message from our friends at 78 sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in new England. Not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and hitting net or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. The team at 78 Sports has designed and installed hundreds of home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you plan the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. For a limited time, just by mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. There's the bell. Time to return to our interview with Mike Garza. And before Navy, you played pro ball. You were drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers. What was it like to get drafted and eventually play pro ball? Oh, it was great. You know, I obviously got to live out, um, you know, a childhood dream and, and compete at the professional level with, you know, some of the best players in the game, uh, some of the best players from around the world, you know, uh, some of the best coaches in the game. So, you know, it was a really unique experience. I, I learned a lot, you know, in the five years that, that I was fortunate enough to play at that level and, uh, you know, got to play with some guys who are now, you know, playing in the big leagues. And it's, you know, it's pretty cool to see those guys on TV build relationships with players that, you know, from all over the, all over this country, all over, you know, the world, again, like, like I mentioned that, that you build relationships with and, and continue to keep in touch with. So, um, you know, I, I cherish that time. You, uh, you know, those are, those are moments that you, you kind of live back to. And then now as a coach, you try to, to draw from those experiences that, that I had, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, positive or negative, you know, in terms of results or, you know, how, how to handle travel and, and, and late nights and early buses and late buses and broken down buses and all the things that come with, you know, professional baseball is what you experience again as a coach. So you try to draw from those experiences, hopefully handle things either, you know, the same way they were handled or, or better than they were handled when, when you experienced them. So a lot of, a lot of stuff in minor league baseball has changed a lot. Hasn't since you've been playing, since you've played professionally, what's your reaction to the downsizing and, and everything going on recently over the last year or so? 
Oh, you know, I think at the end of the day, Major League Baseball is going to try and make the best decisions for, for the game to, you know, either, you know, help grow the game or push it in the right direction. I mean, I, I'd be um, I'd be talking out of line if I had the right answers or, you know, really made any right. comments about it just because I don't know, you know, the ins and outs of, you know, why those decisions were made. And, you know, obviously I think, you know, you've got a lot of players now that, you know, when those downsizes happened, didn't have a place to play. Um, you know, and for me, I, I would think that, you know, independent league baseball would, would probably see an uptick in, in some players as well and, and potentially grow, you know, the independent game that way if there's not as many players that are, you know, either getting drafted or signing free agent deals, you know, with affiliated clubs. So, you know, I, th I think the game is going to continue to grow. I think, you know, players love playing and, and there's people that are willing to sacrifice to, to play the game that they love. So, you know, I, I guess we'll see. Time will tell you know, how those decisions will impact the game down, down the road. Yeah. Time will definitely tell. And going back a couple more years, one thing you do know the ins and outs of is the Georgetown Hoyas baseball program. You played for current Lake monsters coach, Pete Wilk. You guys just played each other six times over a span of a week. Is it weird coaching against your former skipper? Uh, it's fun. You know, there's, um, there's some words exchanged every now and then. And, uh, you know, we're competitive with, uh, kind of with that rivalry, obviously Vermont's in a, in a great position. They're playing uh, tremendous baseball here in, in, in July and coach Wilk has them, you know, clicking on all cylinders. So, uh, you know, that face off in the last, uh, those last six games has been, uh, they, they've been great games. I think they've all been uh, close to one run games, you know, so obviously we're, we're playing some good baseball and it's, it's, it's just a cool experience, you know, to, to be able to, you know, coach against, you know, a guy who's been my mentor, a guy who, you know, really helped guide me through this game um, and, and, and helped me uh, not only as a player, but even now as a coach. And, and you know, I lean on him for, for advice in different areas and, um, you know, for his expertise. I think he was the head coach there for, you know, 20 years. So um, that experience and that knowledge is, is something that I try to tap into, you know, when I, whenever I get the opportunity. So it's, it's been fun to, to compete against them this season. Yeah, it's great to hear. So, you know, they were on a 14 game win streak. You were going in to play four games against them. They extended it and then you killed the win streak. What do you tell your players, if anything, when a team's winning 14 games and breaking win streak records? Uh, you know, we just handle our game, right? We, we talk to our guys about playing rocks baseball, um, you know, and, and if we can do that, you know, you're really, you're playing against the game, obviously, you know, your opponents are going to do everything they can to, to come out on top. But, you know, we try not to get too concerned with who we're playing against or what their record is, or if they're hot or cold. I think if we can handle what we need to handle and we control um, the things we can control as a team uh, and we play fundamentally sound baseball, we're going to be in a good position to, you know, to come out on top of those games. So obviously I think our guys know, you know, what's going on, but, um, you know, from a coaching standpoint and, and, and how we relay the message to them, we, we try and control our end of the game. Um, and, and that's really what we focus on, you know, whether we win or lose, uh, we're looking at how we prepared, you know, how we played, what are things that we can do in those situations to, to be a little bit better or to make better decisions. And then, you know, we roll back out the next day and do it all over again. Yeah, great mentality to have, and you've had it all season. And come on, that's got to feel a little bit good ending Pete Wilkes' fourteen-game win streak. Oh, there's no doubt, right? I mean, you always want to, uh, you always want to be the spoiler. I think our guys, uh, you know, and, and our staff, obviously, we we want to finish out, you know, on top with uh, 
with where we stand in the league. And, you know, I know that Vermont, you know, feels the exact same way. So, you know, I don't, we don't have those guys anymore down the stretch. So it'll be, um, I think it'll be a tight run, you know, as we, as we go back and forth and um, you know, which will be, which will be good leading up into the playoffs. So while you were at Georgetown, you received all big East honors and looking back, knowing what Georgetown is now and what that conference is now, what does that mean to you? Um, you know, I'm, I'm honored to, to have received those accolades. Um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the, the players that I was around, your teammates, the coaching staff. Um, you know, I think, you know, in having transferred to Georgetown and played in the Big East with a lot of good competition, it's obviously something that, you know, I'm proud of. Um, but something that I have to give, you know, a lot of other people a lot of credit for, um, for, for being a part of and for helping me achieve, so. So we ask a lot of our guests about their college recruitment process or their transfer process, both of which you were a part of. But what we don't get to ask is about the process of uh, being picked by the Brewers. So what advice do you give to your players that are going to potentially be in a situation you were in with, you know, trying to get scouted and trying to talk to different pro teams? Um, that whole that whole spiel that a lot of these guys are going through and have gone through. I think it's very similar to you know, our message to the team on a daily basis, you know, you, you have to control the things that you can control. Um, you know, you don't necessarily control what someone's saying about you in a draft room or, you know, what type of, you know, prospect they're looking for or what the needs are for a certain club or, you know, how hard you think you need to throw or how fast you think you need to run. Right. So I think as a player, um, you've got to be able to kind of step back at the end of a season and assess, you know, your performance and identify strengths and weaknesses and then, you know, build a plan with, um, you know, either either yourself or with the coaching staff or strength trainer, or, you know, whatever, whoever it may be um, to kind of, you know, build your game and push it, push it in the right direction. So, you know, I, you know, I'm obviously fortunate that I was able to, you know, able to get drafted and able to play professionally. But I, but I think a lot of what goes into that is, you know, these players learning how to you know, control their own work every day, control, um, you know, their plan and be disciplined to their, to their regimen and, and to have to learn how to do it every day. I think the Futures League is great for that. We talked to our guys last night, you know, uh, we came off a, a tough loss to, to Norwich and we've been on a pretty tough stretch here, you know, since the All-Star break. We haven't had an off day. We've got one coming up in three days. You can see guys starting to, you know, slow down a little bit. You can see fatigue starts to set in and that's, these guys have to learn how to handle that, you know, to be able to play at the next level. That's what it's going to be like. There's going to be bus trips. There's going to be late nights at hotels. Um, and so I think that just comes with, you know, having a discipline to say, Hey, this is what I have to do each and every day. And, you know, I, I've got to be disciplined to my, to my sleep. I've got to be disciplined to, you know, the kind of food I put in my body. And then I've got to be disciplined to say, you know, Hey, once my cleats hit that dirt, um, it's time to go. So you know, I think these guys are learning that here in the Futures League, and I think they'll continue to learn as they progress through their careers. Yeah, you know, we heard that from you, and we, even uh, Carlos Pena was saying a couple weeks ago to us how great, you know, a league like this is with those bus trips and those – you might not get, like, a great meal every time. Although in the Futures, you, they get some pretty good chicken nuggets, uh, but <laughs> stuff like that in Subway. Um, but uh, back a couple more years, we have to ask about this one. In Texas in 2008, Michael Garza was the high school baseball player of the year. So this is Texas. This is baseball factory year round talent grooming, Lone Star State, Texas. What, what, what was that like? 
Uh, it was it was an awesome uh, experience. So you know, I I grew up in San Antonio. Mm. Uh, played played baseball pretty much you know my whole life, uh, and was really fortunate that I you know got to play with um, you know some of the best players in the state from a young age. When when we were uh, back then, travel baseball was a little bit different than it is now. There was only you know maybe one or two teams in our area um, at our age group, and and one or two teams in Austin and Dallas and. So a lot of us knew each other, you know, and, and um, you know, guys who ended up being, you know, eventual big leaguers. We were teammates when we were 12, 13, 14 years old. So you're constantly surrounded by, you know, some of the best players that were going to play the game. I mean, I remember the, the all-star game um, in 2008 at, uh, I believe it was at Dell Diamond, you know, saw uh, Anthony Rendon playing you know, he was out of uh, out of Houston and uh, Anthony Rendon was was playing shortstop. I was fortunate enough to be in that game. Taylor Youngman, who uh, eventually played, you know, in the big leagues with the Brewers, was pitching in that game. Uh, I think he went on to be the, the collegiate pitcher of the year in 2011. Um, you know, Robbie Grossman, who uh, who has bounced around with a couple of different big league teams, was in that game. And, and these were guys that we had played with or played against, you know, growing up. So it was, uh, you know, it was, it was, it's an awesome experience. And I think a lot of it, you know, again, can be attributed to, you know, teammates, coaches, and then even the competition that we played against being able to play against, you know, such talented players for such a long time, I think helps kind of groom the game, you know, down, down there. And, and, um, and was definitely something that was impactful for me. Yeah. Looking around that diamond and seeing where those players are, and that's gotta be a cool experience to know that you were part of that as well. Before we return to our interview with Rocks manager, Mike Garza, we want to share a message from our friends at on-demand storage. Are you tired of living in clutter? Do you need more space around your home or office? Are you sick of visiting your self-storage unit? Does your business need a way to securely and conveniently store excess materials? On-demand storage will pick up your items directly from your location and put them in storage for you. When you want something put back, give us a call and we can deliver it back right away. We bring convenience to the outdated self-storage process. Visit ondemandstorage.com and submit an inquiry. During sign-up, mention the Futures League and receive 50% off your storage pickup. Once again, that's ondemandstorage, all one word, .com. We now return to this rockin' interview with Mike Garza. And back to the Futures League for a couple more questions before we get to quick hits. How did you end up in Brockton? What was the recruitment process for like for you for getting to Brockton? Uh, so, you know, really, I think... Uh... It had a lot to do with with Coach Wilk. I know, um, you know, Tom Tracy, our GM, had reached out to me. Um, you know, Coach uh, Coach Wilk had, you know, kind of brought up the Futures League to me and brought up, you know, potentially coaching summer baseball. And, and then eventually, um, you know, I was I was called by by Tom Tracy, the GM of Brockton, and um, you know, I, I liked what I heard. I was I was really excited about you know the potential opportunity and the experience that it could give me as a coach and. Um, you know, I think through conversations there, it was the right fit for, for both sides. And now here we are. Yeah. And we're glad to have you, of course. And before we get to our final segment, one final question, how about a message to rock fans as we've officially reached August on release day? You know, we're, we're excited as a team. We obviously, you know, uh, our goal is to bring a championship back to, uh, back to Brockton and, and um, you know, any support that, that they can give us, we'd love to see them out there. We've got a fun team. Um, you know, if you've had a chance to see us play or, you know, interact with our guys, they love being at the field. They love playing baseball. I think they're fun to watch. So 
you know, we'd love all, we'd love the support, you know, that, that fans bring and we're looking forward to finishing the season strong. Yeah. It's been very fun to watch the rocks this year and certainly they're hoping for success in the postseason, and you hopefully will be them to that promised land, of course. And we now move on to our final segment. It's called quick hits. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field hat of the futures league Zephyr high quality and innovative design since 1993. So Mike, we got a couple more questions for audience to get to know you better. Is that cool? Yeah. Sounds good. All right, let's roll. Favorite baseball teammate that you've ever played with? Orlando Arcia. I was able to play with with Orlando, uh, you know, through pro ball, I think for, might have been two and a half, three seasons. And, um, you know, he was probably five years younger than me at the time. Uh, you know, an 18, 19 year old kid out of Venezuela. But his passion for the game was unbelievable. I mean, the amount of energy that that he brought to the field as an 18-year-old. I mean, obviously, he could play the game well. Um, but he made it fun. And he made it fun for, for all of us to, to be around. You know, he was a, a good personality. Um, you know, and he was a competitor. He's obviously, you know, been fortunate enough to make it up to the big leagues. But just from, a, just from an experience standpoint on the field, um, he had to be one of my favorites just because of, you know, the, the, the amount of, of fun and smiles that he would bring to the game. Yeah, fun, smiles, passion, energy. Those are all good adjectives for reminds me of the rocks. <laughs> they're they're all having fun. <laughs> yeah. And then how about favorite ballpark that you've played in and one that you've coached in? Uh so favorite ballpark I've played in, or actually probably this would be uh this would be both, but I'll give you two. So uh Fenway had the opportunity to to play there as a player and then uh actually had an opportunity to coach there. Um with uh with navy army navy played a game in, in boston in 2018 um and then the second field would have to be you know obviously recently coming out of omaha would have to be td ameritrade and, and just the the environment and the and the atmosphere of that place is, is incredible i mean if you um you can't get alive and well for that game there's uh you got something wrong <laughs> yeah we figured omaha would be on that list yeah and then how about a sports stadium or sporting event that's on your bucket list it's a good one. Uh, I, probably, I, I think I'd probably have to say a Super Bowl. I've actually never been to a professional football game in person. Um, so I would think, you know, really either a football game, period. Um, but if I get to choose, I'd probably choose a Super Bowl over just a regular season game. Yeah, let's get Mike Garza to a football game. I think it's time. And then how about favorite big league team and big league player, whether it's current or historical? It's a tough one. You know, we actually, us and, uh, or myself and, and the guys were talking about this yesterday in the clubhouse. I actually don't have a team that, that I grew up as a, as a favorite of. Um, you know, if I had to pick, I'd, I'd say the Houston Astros. And I, I know that's it's controversial over the last, you know, season or two. But uh, the reason for that is just, you know, I was living in Houston um, during their, their World Series run. And, and um, you know, prior to that in, in August, um, you know, Hurricane Harvey had, hit Houston and pretty much devastated that, that city. And, um, you know, devastated a, a lot of people's lives, you know, around there. And so, you know, what the Astros were, were able to accomplish, I think kind of revived a city that, you know, I had spent, you know, five, six years living in and, and really got to see the aftermath of. And um, I, I think it was a pretty cool, you know, experience that sports was able to bring people together um, in, in that way. So, you know, for me, it'd probably be the Astros. Um, you know, favorite player, um, 
that's a tough one. I'll probably pass on it. Um, I think there's just so many, right? There's so many young players in the game. There's so many veteran players in the game that are doing a good job, you know, that are that are growing the game and 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 are fun to watch. So, you know, you've got guys like Fernando Tatis, right? That that are just incredible. Um, and I think there's going to be, you know, even more that that come through, you know, really each and every season that are that are going to be, you know, really fun players to watch and really give back to the games. So. And when you were coming through the ranks, was there a player or a couple of players in particular that you tried to model your game after? Um, not particularly, you know, I think that's a dangerous, um, that's a dangerous game to play, right? You've got, uh, you've got players who have unique abilities, who have skill sets that you may or may not have, you know, I think to emulate those guys and to see the way that they go about their business is, is, is important. And it's something that can be valuable as a, as a player. Um, I think trying to model your game after someone who's in the big leagues, uh, can be very, very tricky, right? Those guys are there for a reason. They have tools and skill sets you may or may not have. And I think, you know, really you got to just be true to yourself. You, you got to be the best player that that you can be with your tools and your skill sets and the way that you play the game. And I think you can live with, you know, what those results are, right? I think when you try to be somebody you're not, um, you, you end up underachieving just a little bit. So um, I, I didn't do that. I encourage our players not to do it. Um, as well, I encourage our guys to be the best version of, of themselves that they can be and, and, and kind of push, you know, push forward doing it that way. And then use, you know, use these guys that have made it to the big leagues as role models from a standpoint of how their, you know, their professionalism and how they go about their work and what they do on a daily basis. Moving a little less serious. What is your walk-up song when you're coming up to the plate? Oh, um, I used to change it all the time. I was, I was really superstitious, but when I was in college, it was uh, Dan Zekuduro. In Wisconsin with the Timber Rattlers, it was work hard, play hard. Um, I changed, like I said, I changed it all the time. So it was like, if I didn't get a hit, I'd try and change it. Uh, it was, it wasn't me. It was the walk-up song. So. Would you, would you text the press box? No, we would, uh, I'd give it a game or two, Yeah. you know, but yeah, every now and then you'd, you'd have to blame it on something, right? It wasn't, wasn't me it was it was either the walk-up song or the bat or or the umpire so you had to pick one of those four to change those ums <laughs> what uh what are some other superstitions uh so I'm, I'm less superstitious now as a as a coach I mean I say that I, we had a stretch I think we lost three in a row and uh here in Brockton and I was I changed the lineup cards I was writing them in black pen um as opposed to blue that I'd used, we lost three in a row and I didn't want to be superstitious. So I, I did it again. I think we lost that game too. So now I went back to writing our lineup cards in blue pen. Um, socks. Like if, if I was doing well, I'd put the sock, put socks on the same way. If I started with the left foot the day before I do that. Um, like I said, now as a coach, it's a little bit different. I mean, I have things that I try to do and really it's just more of a routine than anything else. But um, if something's working, you don't, you don't change it. You know, you don't mess with it. Oh, absolutely. And are you a bubblegum guy or sunflower seeds guy? Uh, more sunflower seeds. And last question of our quick hit segment presented by Zephyr. What's your favorite all-time baseball memory? Man, right now it's got to be, it's got to be the dog pile in, uh, in Columbia, South Carolina after, uh, after we beat Dallas Baptist. Uh, it was pretty incredible. How deep did you get in that dog pile? 
Uh, I was more towards the top. And then I think uh, I'm sure that the people underneath me felt that a little <laughs> bit. And then I had two or three people on top of me, but um, it was fun. I, I, uh, I like to think I got a little bit of air getting into it or just, at least enough to get on top of it, but we'll yeah, look on got- Twitter for the replay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You got to do the swan dive or the belly flop. There's there's a ton of moves you could have done jumping into that dog pile for sure. No doubt. Well, Mike, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Best of luck with everything. And we can't wait to see you and the Rocks continue to make that playoff push for the rest of the season. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And thanks for everything you guys do for the league. It's, uh, it's much appreciated. Of course. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thank you again. And this has been episode 24 of season three of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday and Thursday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.